I watched that video this week in my office, and I'm just busting out laughing. And I'm sure the rest of the staff's like, what is he doing in there? Because that's really weird. But oh, it's true, though, isn't it? I mean, it, it is so true that communication in marriage is so hard. And, um, but yet, God has intended it to be so good. And if you're here this week, if you weren't with us last week, we're starting this series, started this series on marriage last week. And if you weren't here last week, I really want to encourage you to go online and hit the media button on our website and, and listen to last week's message because it really creates the foundation for, uh, for marriage in terms of how we move forward from here. In terms of God's definition, what he's established in this sacred relationship. So I encourage you to go back and listen to that if, if you have not. Today is about communication. We made a little bit of a switch because today I was going to talk about communication and conflict. That is way too much in 35 minutes. So what we decided to do was to kind of split these up. And so next week will be about conflict. But today is really often the source of conflict. And it's, it's bad communication. So many people say, well, I'm, I'm not, I, I, I don't communicate. The reality is, is that you do communicate. Every one of us communicates something. Some do well, some do not. Most of us are in between. We do it okay sometimes, and then some other times we don't do a very good job of it. You add into that personalities, you add into that circumstances, you add into that needs. Woo, it's a wonder we get any of it right. But God has intended it to be something very crucial in a relationship. If you're here today and, and you're divorced or you're, you're single, uh, you're widowed, is that I absolutely believe that this message is as much for you as it is for those of us who are married. While I'll talk about communication in the context of marriage, communication is something that we all deal with on a daily basis. We all have to work through. I could spend time today, and, and it is a little tempting because I think this is, tends to be sometimes the more tangible stuff, is talking about techniques, talking about, well, if you just do more of this, more of this, and more of this, you get these techniques down, you got it. You can go to a website, you can get a book, and you can read about techniques. And there's lots of great helps out there. What we're going to do today, the way we're going to approach this, is how God has designed us to be his people, to, to be followers of Christ. And what characteristics, what character in us should, will help us become good communicators? That is key because, frankly, if we don't get that right, you can change your behavior and use all the techniques in the world, but you won't be following Christ. And that's the point. We are to be following Christ. And so we're going to look at today, we're going to look at a few technique things, but I want us to talk about this idea of good communication and how we nurture in us the characteristics that are not only modeled by Christ, but also how God wants to work that in us and in our spouse. You see, good communication is the lifeblood of all relationships. Any married couple here is laughing at that video because you've been in conversations like that. You, you've been in conversations where maybe there's not a nail in the head, but it, that's what it feels like. And maybe the nail's in the guy's head and not in the woman's head. The point is, is that we get into this all the time. I, I shared last week 
and uh, is that Susan and I have been married for be 24 years in May, and, and we were together five years before that dating and engagement. And what's, what's cool about our relationship now is not that we have the communication thing figured out. That's not it at all. The, the kind of cool thing about it is that we can laugh about it. I mean, we laugh about it all the time, about how poorly we do this at times. You would think after, what's that, almost 29 years, is that we'd have this thing ironed out. But it's so true that it's something we continually work on. And more than anything, it's God wanting to shape in us a Christ-like character. And so sometimes we do it well, and sometimes, usually not at the moment we're laughing about it, but we look back later and laugh about it. And I think that's an important thing to do. It's not easy. In fact, they say in marriage relationships, a breakdown in communication is the number one problem that couples face. And it leads to everything else. One actual poll concluded that a couple's ability to communicate is the single most important contributor to a stable and satisfying marriage. So if you're sitting here today thinking, okay, I'm not sure where our communication is at. I hope that you will walk away from here with some things, not just that you can do, but more importantly, the characteristics you need to nurture in your life. But I think it's important to say right up front, this isn't an option. As followers of Christ, we do not have the option of whether we want to communicate well or not. God calls us to be uh, his followers. And in doing that, it does not mean that we have to do it perfectly, but we should be seeking him as we learn to communicate. And so what that means is we cannot avoid it. We cannot just say, well, that's just kind of my personality. I I generally don't communicate well. Well, maybe that's true, but since when has God done with you? Since when has God said, oh, that's okay, You're, you have an excuse here? No. You may have different things to work on than your spouse does, but, but everybody has those things to work on. So I want us to, to really look at how we can do this well. But it, it must start with who we are before what we do. That is Christ working in us. It must start here in our heart. You heard Jim Batar say a few weeks ago when he, he had the understanding of what it meant to follow Christ in his head, and he said that 18 inches from, from his brain to his heart is the longest, hardest 18 inches. You're right. He was right. It's true. And so, again, you may pick up a technique or two here. Wonderful. But I want you to focus on your character. I want you to focus on your character and amidst those communications, those messages with your spouse and also with others. So because of that, we're going to start somewhere that may not be what you would expect in a message on communication, but I think it's the bedrock in a lot of ways, and that's humility. Flip with me to Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. This will also be on the screen. I think one of the biggest problems with communication that we struggle with is that we go into it First of all, thinking we've got the communication thing figured out and thinking that it's probably our spouse that's not getting it. I'm guilty of that. I think so often what happens is that we can take a very prideful stance on how we communicate. I mean, look at that after all. In this, this culture today, what do we, 
What do we honor? We honor those who speak boldly and brashly and say whatever's on their mind. And, and oh, we think that's such a noble thing because they're speaking truth. Well, I don't know that just because we speak what's on our mind that we're speaking truth. But we applaud that and say, oh, how courageous is it? If you go to Proverbs and look over and over again, it talks about the fool who says whatever's on his mind. The fool says whatever's on his lips. And so I think humility is the place to start. God is the one who will fight our battles. God is the one who will allow us to communicate as we need to. But if we think it's all up to us, if we think we've got this figured out, we will miss it. And I don't think that's just a problem with men, let me say. I think women struggle with it as well. Philippians 2.3 says this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but to each of you to the interest of the others. So stop right there. Think about the next conversation uh, where you have something to communicate to your spouse, and this is what comes through your mind. Perhaps you, you've, got a, you've got something significant to talk about. Go, read this verse, put this verse in your mind. It'll change how you communicate. Because it's not just about you making sure your spouse hears what you want them to say. It's not about you being right. It's not about walking away and feeling the satisfaction that you won it. You won the battle. It doesn't have to be a battle. But we do it, don't we? We, we get rushed. We, we get pushed. Um, we just want to get it, men, we just want to get it done. We want to fix it. We have to recognize that even in those tendencies, we communicate a pride. And it communicates something that says, we don't really care. Let's just get it done and move on. Humility helps us have the perspective to understand. In fact, that's what we're going to focus on today more than anything. I'm not going to talk too much about what you speak. Scripture is full of examples, not only of bad examples, but, but commandments as well as, as encouragement and exhortation on, on what to say. I think most of our communication problems come down to one thing. We don't listen very well. Sounds like your father or mother talking to you, doesn't it? We don't listen. You're not listening to me. Have you ever said that to your spouse? You're not listening to me. We have to be so careful that we listen. Not just thinking about what we want to say. Look at this quote by Gary Smalley. Gary says, Communication is understanding not determining who's right. Ouch. I want to be right. I know my spouse wants me to be right. You see, we go into it so often, and it's just about us taking whatever information we have, whatever opinions we have, whatever feelings we have, and saying, I need you to get this. I need you to get it. And if you get it, then okay, everything's done. That's not what the way life works, is it? Communication is that lifeblood that helps us to relate to one another. 
And everybody look at me on this one. You were designed to relate. No matter what you think, no matter what somebody has told you, you were designed to relate to other human beings. Those of you who have made the commitment of marriage, God wants nothing more than for you to learn how to relate to your beloved, the one he has provided for you, the one you've committed to him and to them to. But we have to start with humility. And we have to recognize that sometimes we are going to be wrong. Sometimes it doesn't matter who's right. What matters is that you're able to communicate and share a message with one another that allows both of you to not only feel valued and loved and cared for, but it lets you work through stuff. Next week we're going to talk about conflict. Oh, that's going to be fun. And, and I'll tell you is that this is where most conflict starts. Poor communication with some of the most petty things. You ever been in one of those arguments? And by the time you're done with the argument, it's like, how'd this start? Of course, neither of you are going to admit that you don't remember. But it started because there was some poor communication. So I want us to talk about listening today. I want us to talk about understanding what we hear. Listening will solve, I believe, many of your communication problems. Here's another author, Gary Chapman, uh, Gary Smalley, Gary Chapman, both great resources for marriage, relationships. He talks about some recent research has indicated that the average individual listens for only 17 seconds before interrupting and interjecting his own ideas. Now, the cool thing is you guys have been at it for about seven minutes and no one's, no one's interrupted me. That's pretty good. So, see, you can do it. spouse starts to say something, particularly if it's one of those fun hot topics that always brings a lot of emotion. And already, already you're thinking about, okay, I got to make sure they know this. I got to make sure I tell them this. It's so easy, isn't it? And for some reason in our marriages, we panic and think that we don't have the time to talk through it and work through it. Now, I, I get it. There are, there are, there are dynamic, extreme circumstances where you may not have a lot of time. It may not be the best time to communicate, but there are no options. Now's the time. But I want us to be Christ followers who model Christ in humility in such a way that our first, first, first response is to listen. Now, I am a preaching to myself as much or more than I'm preaching to anybody today because I struggle with this. I struggle with knowing when to be quiet and when to speak. Look at James chapter 1. James is a huge help for us. And if, if you um, take some time this week and, it, and look in those first couple chapters of James, 1 through 3 especially, and what you'll see, remember James 3 talks about the tongue and how such a little force can great, create uh, such great problems, paraphrase Dan. But the point is, is that he talks a lot about this. But I want to look at two verses out of this section of chapter 1 in James, verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. Slow to speak and slow to become angry. 
Those, down in verse 26, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Ouch! Man, James, James is not holding any punches. He says, if you want to look religious, if you're trying to look religious, you're destroying that. Whether it's sincere or not, you're destroying it when you're not keeping a tight rein on your tongue. If you're always talking, you're not listening. Sometimes the easiest way to listen is to shut your mouth. The easiest way to listen is to zip your lips. Sometimes that's the best way to listen. You don't have to know any techniques. You don't have to know anything else. Be quiet. You see, this goes back to our relationship with God, doesn't it? How many times do we kneel before the Father? How many times do we start and boom, away we go? God this, God that, I need this, do this, work this, this, that. All very well intentioned. Remember that little season of prayer we had? We were encouraged. We were trying to practice over and over. And I saw the results of that. I saw people doing that. People who would come to me and say, God's really speaking to me about this. Not in some goofy way. But what I could see in that is that they were listening. They were not going to God with all of their requests. That's a part of it, and that's important. But they were just sitting before God and saying, God, I want to know. I want to know what you're thinking. I want to know about my life from you. You see, listening is not just a part of communication with one another. It's part of how we relate to God. I want to talk briefly about this idea of what is called reflective listening. Now, this sounds like some, you know, some uh, feel-good counseling thing, but um, it's a feel-good counseling thing that works. Reflective listening. Listening is supposed to be actively interacting with a message by reflecting back to the sender. So how often in a conversation with your spouse or another person, what you say is actually reflecting back what they said to you? I think the tendency for me is most often to say what I want to say instead of communicating that I heard them. And so this is ground in the whole idea is that we understand what we hear. Now let me be, let me be clear on this. It doesn't mean you have to agree with them. It doesn't mean that just because you hear them that you have to, to agree with everything they said. That's the fear, isn't it? Isn't that the fear? Well, if they say that and I don't respond to them or if I just reflect back to them, then they're going to think I agree and then we're going to go the wrong way. Well, just hold on. Trust that God's going to allow you to communicate the way you need. But understanding is not agreement. Understanding is saying, I've heard you. That's what listening is all about. And so I want us to jump back to a couple of characteristics that I think we should nurture in our lives. These come from Les and Leslie Parrott, who um, have written a lot of different books. Uh, one of them is the curriculum I use for pre-marriage counseling called Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts. They have some other really, really helpful books too. But they talk about three characteristics, and I think they're very important things that we need to nurture. 
The first one is this. These are characteristics of a listener. The first one is this, warmth. It doesn't just mean hugging your wife, okay? Warmth. Warmth is all about acceptance. Acceptance of the person, not necessarily acceptance of what they're saying. See the difference? Men, I'm going to call you out here because we got to take lead on this. This is ours to lead. It's not that women don't have to do this, but it is your responsibility as a man of God leading your wife and leading your household is that your number one responsibility in communication is to create a place of safety for your spouse. And so you got to think, when I, when I blurt out in anger, that's not a safe place. No matter how wrong your wife may be, that's not a safe place that you're creating for her. And so warmth is something where you create a safe place where your spouse feels loved and cared for and accepted. They may be wrong. They may be in the middle of sin. There may be something really significant going on. That's not the point. You still have to create an environment to where they can come and God works in the both of you to overcome whatever may be happening. But if you do not create an area of warmth, your wife will shut down. I remember early on in Susan and I's marriage, we, um, we bragged because we never had a fight while we were dating and engaged. We thought we had it just so figured out. And, oh, man, when we had our first fight, whoo, what happened was is that Susan tends to be quiet, especially when she really um, is, is, is bothered by something, stressed by something. She, she really start, she needs to be inward and, and to get her mind in order and whatever. That's not me. <laughs> Surprise. And so... <laughs> So for me, it is very much, oh, we got to talk it out. We just got to use more words and we just got to talk it out. We got to be expressive. Come on, come on, come on. Well, we were having a conflict and so she was shutting down and, and very much just trying to sort through what was going on. I thought she was ignoring me and avoiding me. That doesn't go well for an extrovert. Because then what happens is I created this environment that pushed and pushed and pushed for her to talk. And all it did was shut her down. Because I was not creating a place of warmth and security for her. That is my sin, and i got to own that. It's not about who's right. At that point, it's not about who's right. You can walk through and talk about what's right, but create a place. And women, you do have a responsibility in this as well. Wives, is that you create that safe place. Women tend to do this better. It's a place where you can extend the grace of God to your spouse. That you're not there condemning and, and ready to just call them out on every little thing. But know that you are ready to hear them and you invite them. They are relaxed, they are free, and they are at peace because they're with one who is going to extend grace. They're with one who's going to love them no matter how much they may disagree. 
There's a passage of scripture in Philippians 4-5. This is not on your screen, but it's Philippians 4-5 if you want to write it down. Let your gentleness be evident to all, starting with your spouse. I added the end. Let gentleness, your gentleness, be evident to all. So create an environment of warmth. None of the rest of it will happen if you don't create an environment of warmth. The next one is genuineness. This one's funny because, oh, the more I look at these, man, I struggle with these so much. Uh, Genuineness. Genuineness is all about creating, um, it's all about the language, excuse me, it's all about the communication that is everything but the words. So genuineness is not expressed in words. Genuineness is expressed in tone and in nonverbal motions. Now, you've all seen me preach enough. You know that keeping these things still while I'm talking is pretty much impossible. Pastor Josh, he does me such a favor, and he doesn't know he does it most, most of the time. He doesn't know that he, he helps me. But there'll be times we'll be having these conversations, and I'm just, you know, I'm into it, and I'm doing this. And, and, and he'll start looking at my hand. <laughs> and, and, and that's my sign. See, he doesn't even know he does it. He'll start looking at my hands. Now, maybe it's because he's got ADD or something. I don't know. But, but, but he does it, and it's always a trigger for me to think, Dan, ease up on the hands, because he's not hearing what you have to say if you're doing this all the time. So that's why sometimes I stand up here like this, okay? It's not because I'm going to lose my balance. I'm trying to keep my hands from moving. But think about that. Think about that. The best teenager one in the world is the nonverbal of, and the eye roll. It's hard to see from here. The eye roll. It, it sends chills down our spines as parents. But the reality is, is we have some as adults too, don't we? We have those little things that we communicate but we're not using any words. Genuineness is all about being aware of that. And, and it takes discipline. Because sometimes I do. I, I have to do this. Because I want to do this. But it's about me being humble enough to recognize that just because I, this is how I want to communicate, that's not what my spouse needs. That's not what the person talk to, talking to me needs. You, you may know these stats they're, they're, they've been out for a long time, but they're so good. So I'm going to say them. Uh, nonverbal communication accounts for 58% of the message. So when you're communicating a message, 58% are the nonverbals. The sighs, the eye rolls, the shoulder shrunks, the on the phone, whatever it may be. 58%. And then there's this second component, and it's called tone. I love you! I love you. But how often do we scream at our partner, not just volume, but the tone? The tone is 35% of the message. So all you mathematicians, 58% and 35%, what's left? Oh, you rock it out. 7%. 7%. Our words. So think about that. 93% of what you communicate doesn't come through your words. Ooh, that just puts this in a whole new light, doesn't it? 
So we got to be really careful to be genuine and, and sort through and sift through to make sure that we are communicating with the entire message. Tone does make a difference. Nonverbals do make a difference. And again, build genuineness in your character. Now, you start doing some of these things, it may feel very weird, and it may feel just like a technique. But what it is is about going back to that point of humility and going to that point of saying, I want to communicate with my spouse well. I love them, and this is something that I'm going to, I'm going to work on for them. The last one is this, empathy. Empathy is all about putting yourself in somebody else's shoes. Your spouse comes home from a day of work. You have no idea what their boss said to them that day. You have no idea what responsibilities they have that day until you talk about it. But if there is not something that you, in you that creates an empathy, another word for this would be compassion. Now church, over and over and over again, in the Gospels, we see Jesus the Christ model compassion. Even when Jesus was in the temple, turning tables over, even when he's calling Pharisees whitewashed tombs, there is a compassion in him because he loved the person. Remember the woman who was caught in adultery. Talk about a, talk about a beautiful place to see compassion in and mercy exhibited. It was there. Everybody else, no one else was being empathetic. Now again, empathetic, being empathetic, empathy does not mean that you have to agree with what's going on. The point is, is that you're acknowledging what's going on. You are acknowledging that part of the reason that person yelled at you is because um, they, they just experienced a death in the family and you didn't know. And sometimes what we think is, well, they just got to buck up and deal with it. Really? Well, I didn't know that. But do we have to know all of that to extend empathy? We're not Jesus. We're not going to know it all. But what we should do is be people that, that as Colossians 3.12 says, as God's chosen people, I'm going to use my hands, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. People who are not empathetic often struggle with pride. I'm not saying that's the case with everybody. But when, when we are not empathetic, our attitude is very much, well, they just need to deal with it. I've got problems of my own. That's not a very humble attitude. Again, you're not, you're not saying you agree with what's going on or what's happening. In the video, as goofy as it was, there, there's so much truth in at the end when he just identified with what she was going through. And while it was a goofy video set up, that does much in a, in a marriage relationship. That does much with communication when we are empathetic and we understand their perspective. Not agreeing, but understand. And then ask ourselves this question, how is, how is my perspective different? You see, the questions are also, all, often from our minds, what's my perspective and how is theirs different from mine? Turn it. What's their perspective? 
How's that different from mine? Don't look to determine who's right first. Seek to understand first. I want to share one more passage of Scripture as we bring things around. Colossians 3, excuse me, Ephesians 4.29. This is a great passage for you to hang on to and go back to, commit it to memory. It's a great message. Ephesians 4.29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Now look at this verse. Look at the goal here. Nowhere does it say the goal is for you to be right. Nowhere does it say that the goal is just to fix the problem. That's going to have to happen. But the goal is to build one another up. And so, I think this is a point for so many of us. And it may require many surrenders to God in very specific circumstances where you go back and you listen first. And you go back and you seek that when you do say words as a response to what your spouse has said is that what you do is that you build them up. I can't tell you the difference it will make. And those of you that have have done this right from time to time or many times, is there such a difference? No longer then are you on opposing teams with your spouse. You're on the same team because you've sought to understood one another. And then from there, you can discern and seek the Lord together. Seek the Lord together in your marriage to find out what's right. Man, this one stings because there's so much here that I think we try to excuse ourselves from. And again, I'm preaching to myself in a big way. I hope and I pray that skills will come along. But my prayer is that you as followers of Christ, you will seek to become the person God's called you to be by nurturing these characteristics. Have a conversation with your spouse and say, hey, this is something I don't feel like I'm doing well. I want you to hold me accountable in this. Swallow your pride and say, help me here. Now, if you're the ones that that is helping with that, it should be both ways. But men, if one of your wives comes to that, don't hold that against her. Don't leverage that against her. But when that moment comes, speak truth, speak love. Speak care. Be empathetic. Be warm and genuine through all of that. So I would encourage us to commit these verses to memory, particularly the ones that we've had on the screen this morning, because I think it's so crucial that we will not only see our communication change, we will see our interactions with everybody change. It's possible, church. That's what Christ came to do. Not just to make us better people, but when we do that, he will use us in such significant ways to build the kingdom of God. 
If all people see in us is people that are not listening, and, and the church has a bad rap, let's just admit it. We have a bad rap in culture right now. We are a bunch of people who want to convince other people that what we think is right. How about we listen? How about we listen to those who are struggling with certain doctrine and certain issues? Now, I just want to tell you, that's going to challenge us. But we have to be ready to do that because that's what Christ did and that's who we're following. We can't get on our righteous bandwagons with our spouses or with other people and believe that they need to listen to us more than we need to listen to them. Now, frankly, I don't know what all that looks like right now. But what I absolutely believe is Scripture tells us we have to do it. And by golly, then we need to be doing it. I want to thank you for those of you that I see this modeled in. For those of you that I see you taking really good steps. And I see a lot of you doing that. When one of you come to me and talk about God speaking to you as I shared earlier. Or sharing and, ex- and recognizing that this marriage relationship, it's been okay, but you want more than okay. That tells me you're listening. You're listening to God. Praise God for that. So let's encourage each other in this, okay? We're not going to get it perfect. We're not going to do it right starting tomorrow. But let's take some good steps. Let's be set with our minds on what God wants to accomplish in us and through us. One last word of note. Some of the best times to work through improving your communication is not in the middle of an issue where communication is not good. Sometimes it's just working through that and getting through that and then stepping back and saying, okay, we we probably should have done that a little bit better because I said some hurtful things um, I didn't listen to some things, and so we, we, we need to do this better because the consequences could be a whole lot greater. God's Word is clear, church, but He has empowered us, hasn't He? The Holy Spirit. None of this is bigger than Him. Often when in relationships you're talking about communication or this actually leads into a bit of conflict next week is that when there's a wound going on in our lives it's much like a a wound in our skin and what do we do? We put a bandage on it. That's what we should do. But there's a point as that wound is healing you have to replace the bandage. If you don't take the bandage off the, the, the wound is going to become infected and the consequences may be to the point that you lose an arm. And so what you have to do at some point to, to help the healing is you've got to take the bandage off. Now, some of you are wincing because we know what taking a bandage off is like. It hurts. It hurts because sometimes that bandage gets into that wound a little bit. But if you do not take that off, whether it's slowly or quickly, You will never be able to put on another bandage to further the healing. That's what this is often like when we start digging in to some of your business with communication and conflict. So let's empathize with one another. Let's be genuine. And let's recognize there is healing that needs to take place. There's healing in every one of our relationships, whether our marriage relationship or another relationship, 
where I guarantee that there's not one of us that doesn't have something going on here that we have to work through. But our God is able. Our God is so able. And church, if we want to embrace all that God has for us, we got to be able to do this. we got to be able to lean on Him and rely on Him. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, now is the time. Now is the time because communication is all the harder if you don't know Christ. And Jesus wants nothing more than to walk alongside you and embrace you and help you heal and help you to communicate well. And so I would encourage you as we close in song today is that if that is your, your position right now, we want to introduce you to this man, this God known as Jesus Christ. For those of you as Christ followers, today I absolutely believe is a day of, of surrender and, and, a, and a new commitment to Christ. My intention today was not to beat you up. But we all know how sensitive and how serious this issue is. And marriages are being destroyed. And that's exactly what the enemy wants. I'm not going to stand by and watch that happen. And I know you're not going to do that either. So let's play our part, okay? Let's encourage each other in that. But let's first of all go to Christ. Let's pray. Father, Lord, your word, sometimes we wish it wasn't so clear. <laughs> sometimes we wish it was more vague about not just behaviors, but, but what you want to nurture in us. Lord, I pray for humble spirits in this room this morning. I pray for a humility that is not false, a humility that is not degrading of worth and value for a person. But I pray for a humility that says, Jesus, I need you. Whether that's for the first time or whether that's again. And that, God, we would surrender ourselves to you in this idea of communication. This very specific, practical aspect of relationships. And Father, I would ask that this week in, in these marriages represented in this room is that God, that you would help them take that next step towards good communication. And it would be based on your scriptures, not just on doing good, but that it would be based on the character that you are nurturing in each of them. And Father, may we celebrate that together. Encouraging one another, praying for one another, loving one another. And Father, we pray that through all of that, not only will you be glorified, but your kingdom will grow. So Father, we commit that to you. Have your way with us. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand. Uh, we've got